I think I see God smile when I get to help somebody. It looks cool in a lot of ways because most of the time it's not actually me doing the helping, but it's me connecting two dots. It's having somebody from the Salvation Army go to a restaurant owner because he texted me and said, I've got a bunch of dinner rolls that I want to see go to a good place. And hours later, I get a text that says, thank you. And I said, what did I do? All I did was connect the dots. My greatest passion is to see God smile. Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Ratu, storyteller. My name's Dave Phillips. My wife, Zoe Hale, and I have this thing called the Community Resource Guide that we put together to answer two questions. The first question was, where's pockets of poverty in Anderson County? And the second question is, what are people doing about that? Recidivism, poverty, homelessness, and a community resource guide. What do all of these items have in common? Part one of Intersection's exploration of recidivism in Anderson County, South Carolina. Well, the community resource guide is a piece of paper that has a whole bunch of resources listed on it. And resources being defined as something that you need to help out with whatever. You could be elderly and you're looking for something uh, that might help you or a parent or a friend that's looking for something in the for elderly people. So the piece of paper has about 20 categories. A category would be a section on the piece of paper in a color-coded kind of block that uh, that lists particular uh, things that relate to that category. So there might be two or three items in a category. For instance, pregnancy care is a category and it's only got two, three, four items in there. Or it might be need help as a category, which will have, I think we're up to 16 or 18 different items in that particular category. And so there'll be a bunch of things listed, but the idea is that they'll put you in contact with somebody that can fill a particular need that you might have. When you first look at the resource guide, when when you see it sitting in some area, the front cover that will have a picture of Anderson County or Anderson City clock. So it's just an iconic kind of picture that, that for those of us that have lived in Anderson or even driven through it, you see it, you'll recognize that clock tower and you go, okay, I know where that is physically. Um, but the first thing you'll see is if you need a meal. And it's a category that's near and dear to our hearts because Zoe and I really care about feeding people and and trying to do something about food insecurity and, and people that are hungry. And so when you first look at it, you'll see here's, here's where I can go to get something to eat. <laughs> when you flip it over, you'll see here are a bunch of hotlines and things that if you need to go, you need to call somebody. Um, they're set up there. And then as you unfold it, 
it's kind of like a map. It unfolds and then it opens up. Uh, hopefully not like a map. It's easy to fold back up. So, <laughs> uh, but we, but it, it, each section as it opens has different categories and lists of items that help you navigate what it is that you're looking for in a real quick and concise basis. We, we list almost 200 resources on that piece of paper front and back. Um, when it unfolds completely, it's 11 by 17. Okay. So it's what's called tabloid in the, in the printing business. So it's bigger than your normal kind of piece of paper. When I first did it, <laughs> we were printing them at home on legal paper, and it was so small that people weren't real thrilled by it. And I wasn't thrilled by it because I was printing it at home and trimming off the edges and folding it. Um, but 11 by 17 you know, full-size piece of paper, but fold it up. It fits nicely in your pocket, which is the goal. Is to, two things, as far as the physical paper itself, there are two goals. One is um, that it can fold up and fit in your pocket, and the other is it's printed on paper that you can actually write on. It's not printed, we very intentionally don't print it on glossy, slick stuff. It's regular paper that you can write on with a ballpoint pen or pencil, or, you know, you don't have to have a Sharpie or any of that kind of stuff, so... Throughout everything that I've been a, a part of, there is a massive debate amongst us that print <laughs> is dead. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> Why did you print it? Let's get to the fundamentals. Yeah. So I printed it because I spent, I had an opportunity to serve as a connections pastor at a, at a large church where we had lots of people coming in the door asking for help. And they had these wads of paper that they had stuffed in their pockets that they had collected at the different helping agencies that they'd been to. And so they, they wanted to, they would create their own guide basically, you know, they were, they were going to places and they would piece things together. And it was just really, um, it, it, it was really sloppy, but that's how it worked. And, and so they were able to figure out how to, you know, where to go, where the food pantries were, because they'd go to a place and they'd collect a piece of paper and then they would write on it and so forth. Um, and, and so I wanted to really, I wanted to learn from that and say, okay, well, what if somebody actually curated all of that information and put together an accurate list <laughs> on a piece of paper that they could stuff in their pocket that had, had, as much information as that as, that we can make available to them. Why not? I mean, like Anderson's got the two one one system that they can call to get a phone number. But the one thing that I love about this is, is it's very practical. And this is, and I'm going to brag on you a little bit here, and I get excited about it. Is that I can put it in my old man wallet, right. and it's easy to open up. I don't have to pull my phone up and hit. And, type in a it's just there and it has numbers from domestic violence shelters and it has phone numbers for pregnancy centers it's got phone numbers for uh, different public services groups throughout the community that everybody's wanting to know how do I get in touch with that person and it's printed very simply instead of well where's your phone let's go what website address is that where where do I find this I love the usability and the user-centered design and the simplicity of it. The goal is to be simple. You know, so if, it's, if you need a meal, there's more information provided in that because you got to know when and where. And so we have addresses and times. 
Um, but if it's like most of those items that are on there, most of the resources, just list a phone number, uh, an address and phone number. Uh, you won't see a whole lot of websites on there because I'm, I'm thinking that if you're walking around with a piece of paper, the website's not your friend. Um, so that was really, it was very intentional on our part. Uh, the, the key is it's a curated list, and I said that a little bit earlier. What do you mean by curated yeah, list? I, that's, that is the key. It's a list that Zoe and I have gone over and over again, and I say and Zoe's probably done it more than I have because she reads a lot faster. But it's, it's, we go through and look at it all the time. And, and it's printed on paper. And we print 5,000 at a time. Um, and we hope that they'll last for about two months because we print these about every other month. And, and there are changes that happen constantly. The version that, that I have now, I brought you a couple copies. Uh, the version now, there were over 60 changes between the version we printed two and a half months ago and there are little changes but things happen uh, you know one of the elder care resources we had listed the the person died <laughs> mm. and and so th the phone number changed things had changed and and so we we want to make sure we keep that up today it's curated it, we care about it um and, and fortunately, now we have a handful of curators. You know, my goal is to have a curator for each category, each of the two dozen categories that we have on there. And and the the work of that curator is to look at the six, five, six, seven, twelve things that are in that particular category, and make sure that they're current. Make sure that the phone number's right. And make sure that if we have times, that those times are correct. And that will make a difference because if I'm a person in need and I get this resource guide, I pick it up wherever I might be. If there's a phone number on there, it needs to be right. right. <laughs> um, and, and likewise, if I know my neighbor's in need and, you know, I want to connect them to somebody that has a particular resource, I want to have some confidence that, that someone's actually checked that number out or checked that address out and they're really there because, things change and so we put a date on it we put a you know i put a version number because i'm a software guy so i think about that kind of stuff so the the current version you know as it, as of this recording the current version is 7.3 <laughs> and how many numbers and dots do you go into <laughs> no i only do yeah what's funny is uh i announced that hey we got version 7 that's that we're sending to the press and, and I'll send it out to, we've got about 200 people right now on the mailing list, and I'll send it out to that group and say, okay, version 7 is going to the printer. Uh, let me know if you have any changes. And this is what always happens. I submit the file to the printer, and then I'll get the emails, and then I'll get the phone calls that say, oh, wait, this, this is actually our address now, or uh, we have a new phone number or whatever. You came to Anderson, and you just didn't, you didn't walk into the, the doors of Anderson and meet someone and said, I'm going to make a community resource guide. There had to be an epiphany that made you say, this is a necessary tool here in Anderson, or it's a resource that could fill an opportunity. What was that epiphany? So about a year and a half ago, my wife was really looking around for a way to contribute 
in a, in some place that would meet her where she was and kind of her desire. And that's that's when she ran into AmeriCorps, and that's when she ran into the VISTA program, and those two questions that I referred to earlier, where's poverty and where are the resources to, in your county to do something about that? And she started collecting information, and, and, and she's... And, what type of information was she collecting? Just Yeah, just, you know, looking on online, trying to find, you know, where, what is poverty? What are the, what's the definition of poverty? What... What does poverty look like in your community, and how is that being defined, and who's doing something about it? So that kind of information. And, and Google is not your friend <laughs> at this right. point. Google is just going to just give you all kinds of responses, and, and most of that is just not going to be useful because it's, you're going to get every kind of resource. So as you, as you start to do this, this incredible thing, and, and what I'm going to say here is just going to blow your mind. You're going to write this down. You're going to want to tell everybody about it. And, and that is the superpower that my wife has that she taught me, which is you just show up. So you read about a place that's feeding people on Tuesday and Thursday night. It's called the Lot Project. You don't know anything about it, but you've heard about it. So what do you do? Do you Google it and read their website? You could do that. But here's what I would tell you. Just show up. Just show up at 4.30 on a Tuesday or Thursday and see what they're doing. And, and let that inform you rather than try to read your website and the best they did to put that together to try to tell you what was going on. Uh, show up at a place. Show up at good neighbor cupboard and see what a food pantry is uh, show up at aim <laughs> and talk to them show up at tabernacle of faith on sunday and and feed a bunch of people uh, so and don't expect the websites to be accurate as much as i love all of those people uh, don't expect them to think website first and then service it doesn't work that way they care about the people first and then if I get around to that website update, I'll make that happen. So what we've tried to do is kind of bridge that gap. Um, and, and that was, if, if there was an epiphany, that's part of it, which is that the guy serving that meal on Sunday doesn't have time to, serve, to go and update a website. In fact, they don't even think about it. What they really care about is that truck that's backing up, that's, got a, that's loaded to the gills, with food that they had to figure out how does that look like a menu for Sunday. That's what they're focused on. The, the hundreds of people that walk through that line that are trying to get fed, that's what they care about. And, it's, and, and the website isn't going isn't gonna to excite them. So when you Google it, it's not going to be real informative. So we've tried to bridge that gap. Um, the printed resource guide lets you know where to go get a meal. The printed resource guide lets you know right now who to call. You know, you type in Social Security, you have information, you want a question about that. Good luck with that. <laughs> so we're just trying to help make that a, a more direct path so you don't have to filter through hundreds of responses you might get on Google. How does the community resource guide and you intersect with homelessness because we've talked about food insecurity, we've talked about access to information, 
But if I know you and our conversations that we've had, we always go back to homelessness. Talk about, in Anderson County, why that is an underlying passion of yours. Well, the first thing is I, I want to make sure they know that they're not being judged because of the state that they're living in, the condition that they're living in. Yeah, The guy that you're talking about, <laughs> oddly enough, I just had breakfast with him. <laughs> and, and there's still concern that he may not have a place to live next month. He currently does. But what he said to me as I, I dropped him off is kind of crazy. Um, but he said it was unbelievable that that I would ask him to go have coffee and sit down and talk with him. And honestly, I I didn't. I really don't think I'm doing anything special. <laughs> I just see a guy that I really, I really care about. Not because he's homeless, because I think he's really a, a really valuable person. Uh, and I just like listening to his perspective and, and the way he sees things. There are other guys that, like, would not they would not say they're homeless. But if you looked at the condition they live in. <laughs> You would say, you might call that a home, but man, I wouldn't call that a home. But they have a different perspective on life and the things they have to deal with and the things that stress them are, are not things like I stress about. Well, I don't know that I stress about a whole lot these days, honestly, but they have real basic needs that that they don't know how they're going to be met next month. And I just want to I just want to let them know that like the sign painting on on the building of the lot project that beautiful uh painting they put on there that with giant letters that say worthy <laughs> that that you're worthy. I'm not going to put you in a box that says homeless. It's a tough word, isn't it? It is. It's a, it's a word that I've had many people push back on. Um, it's a stigma. It desensitizes individuals that are living in a situation that sometimes are out of their control and sometimes are in their control. Um, but it is a word that we don't know how to use. But what fascinates me about this discussion is that we started talking about a community resource guide that you came to Anderson to, and started wondering how you could impact pockets of poverty. And then you created a guide to connect people yep. through your data mining. And I'm wondering, how did that path get you to homelessness that is visibly making you concerned in your face right now for that individual? What is that connection? How did how did point A to point B? You talk about connecting people, so let's yeah. connect this. Yeah. 
it comes to a simple, simple idea. You know, Jesus told us, what do we do? We love God. And, and then we always group this together, but I'm going to, you know, love our neighbor as ourself. We always say that as one phrase, but I, as ourself, <laughs> how do we love ourselves? Well, I make sure that I get something to eat. I you know, make sure that I have clothes to wear. Make sure the bills are paid. That's how I love myself. It's not a um, you know big grand idea. It's just I take care of myself. So if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, <laughs> then I've got to be concerned about their other needs. So whether or not they're fed and clothed and housed, and whether or not they can get to a job somewhere, those are things that I believe that I'm not, it's not just, it's not just like a requirement, like a, a checklist is something I have to do, but it, it's more like a privilege and an opportunity. It's like, okay, so I, I've taken care of myself. I need to, I need to see what I can do to help somebody else. <laughs> and I, you know, this, and I, I sent you this text earlier this morning. You know, Father Gregory Boyle just really, really synthesizes this thing for me. And that is that, um, you know, we're not trying to see people in need as, you know, let me reach down and help them, like, you know, from my lofty position. But when we actually see them as our brother or sister, that in his terms, in our kinship, you know, kinship is what really matters. You know, for me, I see it, it's my brother or sister. You know, at the end of the day, we won't have any trappings of this world, um, but we'll stand before our maker and um, we get to answer a few questions, I think. And, but we're all in the same playing field at that point. Whether I had a car or house, um, really doesn't matter at that point. <laughs> and so when I see somebody that's uh, in need, and I honestly, I see everyone in need. Uh, you have needs. Some of those are, are taken care of by things that you've done and good decisions that you've made. Other people have made bad decisions and they know it, um, and they're trying to recover from that thing. And what they really just need is someone that'll listen and someone that'll love them unconditionally, as if they were really their brother or sister, and really cared about them. What is recidivism? So recidivism is that revolving door of somebody going to prison, getting out of prison, going back to prison. I mean, that's essentially what it is in a technical term. But what happens is the you know, somebody that really has no hope and has defined their life uh, in terms of whether it's dealing with drugs or, you know, being involved in, in uh, stealing to, to get by or whatever, goes to prison gets gets released from prison after either serving time or whatever 
however they got out of that, got out of there, um, only to go back in the same neighborhood and have the same pressure, and then they end up committing another crime and going back into jail and doing uh, some time again. So recidivism is this that perpetual cycle um, that only gets broken if there's a change. <laughs> There has to be a change in heart. There has to be a change in direction. How have you come in contact with recidivism, community resource guide, and hmm. your work in poverty and your work in homelessness and feeding people and your passion when we sit in the, the walls of the CJCC meetings on Monday, first Monday of every month? So I think of a guy I took to lunch who was pending trial. He was out on bond pending trial and wasn't sure how it was going to go because it could go bad, bad being defined as he could go to prison. And for what he did, what he told me sitting across the table was, man, I deserve to go to prison because I was, I don't know what happened. And there's a story and it's a whole story. But the key is that he recognized his, he was out of bounds and he was, he was not doing what was right. And, and because of that, uh, you know, he got some favor and, and he's not going to go to prison. That's the short answer. But when we sat there at lunch, he didn't know that. And part of the story is his wife is six months pregnant <laughs> while we're sitting at lunch and he's not sure but what he does know is that he's got a faith that tells him that he's going to change his ways and he's going to what he's going to do is, is something different than what he's done in the past and, uh, and that he said several times I'm going to listen to my wife because she was right all along and I you know I saw them again yesterday with Incredible smiles. I mean, authentic smiles, not not the goofy kind of grin kind of stuff. But there's a joy in their heart because they've made a choice. And, and the choice is not to go and hang out with the people they were hanging out with. Um, so what did the resource guide, how did the resource guide have to do with that? Well, what it did was it put me in those places where those guys hang out. <laughs> And it allowed me, allows me to have a relationship with, with people that I wouldn't normally have a relationship with. I mean, why would I seek them out? Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation surrounding recidivism. Interested to learn more? Check out the show notes to download a copy of the Anderson County's Community Resource Guide. For more information about our show or other episodes, go to intersectionpodcast.com. That is intersectionpodcast.com. Intersection is powered by Touchpoint Media Network, podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.